fear. It can be unpredictable, debilitating, and at times paralyzing. Fear can change our sense of faith and impact how we approach the world. Interestingly enough, I've found that when com we're confronted with the bigger fears, that somehow we have this better sense of being able to compartmentalize. This doesn't mean that we're not fearful or that we're not hurting or devastated or anxious. But somehow it's the smaller fears, the day-to-day -day fears, that we often find most emotionally and physically exhausting. The ones that we have to deal with day in and day out. I don't know about you, but the headlines alone that I read daily are enough to make my heart beat a bit faster, hold on to my child a little tighter, and make my prayers last a little longer. If you dare still try to read the news, you've probably seen some of these headlines this week. Massacre survivor, my friend killed my other friends. Massive wildfire destroys entire town. Your bank doesn't want us to show you this. Woman had order of protection on her when she was killed. What to do when you hear, it's a bomb? Sheesh. Just this week, just a few weeks ago actually, Isabella and I were on this somewhat empty subway train car when we noticed that a black carry-on suitcase was sitting just across from where we were sitting. And at first, we kind of were just waiting, waiting, and waiting, because surely it belonged to someone who was sitting in the vicinity. But stop after stop, no one seemed to claim the suitcase. Some seemed oblivious to the suitcase, while others started staring at it and kind of wondering what to do at that moment. And so as the minutes passed by, Isabella and I wondered if we should be fearing for our lives, running out of the train, or just sit calmly. Now, I know what the MTA tells us. If you see something, that's right. But I also know that if I were to say something about every strange situation that I've seen on the subway, we would never get anywhere. But before we could decide, the couple next to us, who were also concerned, decided to make the call to my comfort. And they called and reported the suitcase. And then as soon as our stop approached, we ran out of the subway train for our lives, pretty much. Because the truth is, is that with all the news coverage, right, about suspicious packages and bombs being found in the most unpredictable places, we couldn't help but expect the worst. One of my least favorite things, though, about New York City is the subway. Can I get an amen? Yeah. And if you happen to be on a train that one day, that perfect day when it is on time, the one day out of the year, good for you. Otherwise, they're usually crowded, smelly, gross, delayed. Have I said smelly? But if you are a New Yorker, and you're trying to get from point A to point B, there's usually not a quicker way. 
And when you're taking the train, you usually have to take an inventory of all of your belongings. I mean, for sure I do, because I'm notorious. If it's not attached to me, I leave it everywhere. But taking an inventory of all of your belongings, your satchel, your hat, your umbrella, and in my case, add a violin, a Hello Kitty, music portfolio, and a child. I remember there was one time when I got off of the train, and when I turned around to just check to make sure that Isabella was behind me, I looked, and she wasn't there. I freaked out, to say the least. I started to panic. And as I heard that standard announcement, stand clear of the closing doors, I noticed that Isabella was in the train, sitting there, oblivious. And I, needless to say, the she-woman in me essentially ran as fast as I could. I crammed open those subway doors, and I grabbed her as fast as I could. Whew, my heart was beating. Because I think I lost a day out of my life on that day. I mean, I, and the, the craziest thing is that I looked around in that moment, and I think people were more annoyed at the fact that I opened the doors again than anything else. So New York. I think that, well, this is what I'm talking about, you see. It's the daily stress. It's the unexpected, and it just wears you down. And the underlying emotional experience is almost always fear. What wears you down? What are the things that you think about day to day that may cause fear? For me, as the fears accumulate day after day, we can't help but feel overwhelmed, drained, like our cup is full, unable to get out of bed sometimes, overeating, undereating, pointless conflicts with your loved ones, irritableness, forgetfulness, sleepless nights, just unable to put your best foot forward. In 2015, the insurance provider Direct Line published a survey of 2,025 adults after asking them about the stressors that worried them on a daily basis. Some of the top worries included not being able to sleep, losing your keys, being stuck in a traffic jam or on the train when you've got some place to be, losing an important paper or document, having nowhere to park, printer not working when you need something printed out, running out of the battery on your cell phone in the middle of the Lincoln Tunnel, going to the bathroom and realizing, oh crap, no toilet paper. And finding your, that as you're paying at the cashier, you're looking for your bank card and you realize it's not in your wallet. That happened to me just this past week. How many of you have had any one of these experiences and have found yourself saying at one point or another, oh my word, can I just get a break around here, Lord? Lord, please give me the strength I need to get through this day. Okay, Lord, I'm not being very helpful. Hopeful, I know, I know. But you just got to help me out this one time. Can anyone relate? 
And then there are worries about major life events, such as that job interview, relationship difficulties, how are you going to pay the rent, making ends meet, and our annual medical exams. How many of you were aware that last month, the month of October, was Breast Cancer Awareness Month? How many of you? Raise your hand. Ladies, this is my plug to get your annual mammogram if you are at, of age and you've been putting it off. And men, because I don't want you to be left out, it's Movember. And you know what that means, get that prostate checked. These annual exams, though uncomfortable, are so important. In October, I had my annual mammogram. I went in expecting that everything would be fine because I don't have breast cancer, it doesn't run in my family, um, and I was just getting that annual exam. But to my dismay, I was told that they had detected a mass in not one, but both breasts, and that they recommended that I get a biopsy to check, to see, to, to check each mass to see what was visible on the mammogram. And just when I thought the mammogram was unpleasant, that biopsy was awful. As I laid on the table and the surgeon used this thin, hollow needle to remove tissue samples from each mass, it was just, I laid there and I just started to pray. I prayed that it would, the results would be benign. I prayed that if they weren't benign, that it wasn't fatal, or that it wouldn't be fatal. And I also prayed that if it was fatal, that God would allow me to somehow live long enough, at least until my daughter was independent. I mean, I love my husband <laughs> and all, but come on, every little girl needs her mama. As human beings living in a world that throws a lot at us, causing fear and anxiety, our minds get so creative. And to our detriment, these thoughts may not always be productive. That afternoon, I wasn't feeling very positive. I went home and just crawled into a ball on my couch that afternoon because I was afraid. And in that moment, I didn't want to face anyone. I just wanted to stay in bed and to not face anybody or think about anything, let alone think about what the results might reveal. I would have loved to stand here before all of you and tell you that I kept it together and that I'm a strong person and that my faith is unwavering in every way. Yeah, that couldn't be further from the truth. That afternoon, I felt discouraged, fearful, and I just wanted to withdraw from the world. Our scripture reading for today can be found in Genesis 3.10. He, referring to Adam, answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid. To give you a little bit of context here, Genesis 3 is about the fall of man. We go back to the very beginning of humankind today. 
Adam and Eve walked around and spent a lot of time in the Garden of Eden together without fear. They didn't have a care in the world. And even though they were naked, they weren't ashamed. All seemed to be perfect as God had created it. But then the serpent showed up and tempted them to eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In Genesis 3.3, the serpent said to Eve, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? In verse 4, the dialogue continued, and the serpent manipulatively said, You will certainly not die, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So without even much persuasion, they ate of the forbidden fruit. And at that moment in time, everything changed forever. Adam and Eve knew God. They walked and talked with God. And when they had eaten of the fruit of that tree, they were also aware that God knew everything. So with all of this knowledge, why did Adam and Eve cover themselves with fig leaves and hide when God appeared to them? Well, Adam explains in Genesis 3, verse 10, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. Adam was paralyzed with fear. And interestingly, this is the first time the emotional ex of experience of fear enters into human existence. Because in the beginning, there was no fear. It's hard to imagine a world without fear, especially if we've never lived it. But let's entertain the idea of living in a world without fear for just a minute. What do you imagine it to be like? I imagine a world without shootings, wildfires, and bomb threats. I imagine a world where I could walk around at any time of day in any neighborhood and not worry about being assaulted. I imagine a world where I could eat whatever I wanted to, sleep whenever I wanted to, travel the world, and not worry about bills, employment, health insurance, whether my child will be safe at school, or whether my church family, this church family, will be safe today or any given Sabbath. Wouldn't that be nice? The emotion of fear is hardwired in all creatures, including humankind. As young children, your fears may have occupied much of your emotional life because you were so small and you were vulnerable and you weren't able to protect yourself. You probably outgrew most of those childhood fears, partly by acquiring a wider range of abilities and experiences. I believe, actually, that some fear and anxiety is a good thing. It sharpens our senses and gets us to take on new challenges. I remember the day when our daughter Isabella was born. And after a couple of days at the hospital, we were told that it was time to go home. We were like, what? 
You mean today? You mean like right now we have to take this tiny little person home? We were not at all ready. I actually have a picture. There she is. There she is in the car seat on the day that we took her home from Mount Sinai. To say that Alex and I were filled with fear is an understatement. We were terrified. We were now responsible for this little person and had no idea what to do. But this kind of fear is a good thing. For one, on our drive home from the hospital, I've never seen Alex, my husband, drive more carefully. I'm not kidding. He was stopping at red lights. He was allowing pedestrians to cross when they had the right of way. If you've been in a car with him, you know. But to, to his credit, driving in New York City is just about as crazy-making as taking the subway, and I'm sure for some, even more so. Now, too much fear and anxiety, on the other hand, is a whole other story. It can be a hindrance rather than a help. A lot of anxiety gets in the way of our ability to function daily, and it can interfere with our ability to find happiness, love, peace, and fulfillment in life. What did Adam do when he was afraid? In Genesis 3.10, we learn that Adam hid himself. Adam had always been naked, but now Adam knew it. And so he hid from God. And Adam's response may not at all be surprising. When most of us experience fear, what do we do? Our brains try to find the quickest way out of it and respond in the form of what many of us, of, of us have heard as the fight or flight response. For example, what does a child do when he or she does something wrong? Do they run up to their parents and say, let me tell you what I did wrong today? No, far from it, right? Children will most likely experience that flight response and run or hide. My sister, who's here today, <laughs> um, and who gave me permission to share this story, when she was four years old, she did something that we still talk about till this very day. My sister is a bit of a perfectionist, and that could be a really good thing. And I remember having so, fun, so much fun doing her hair and my other sister's hair, and I just used to have a field day with that. And I knew at that time I was going to grow up and be a hairstylist. I loved it so much. But somehow, Alexis, every time I did her hair, she'd say, but there's a lump right here but this side is sticking out. <laughs> she never, I don't know, sometimes just never seemed to be satisfied, right? So one day, I was sitting on my couch, and I knew she was in the house, and, but the house was like really quiet. And I thought to myself, hmm, I haven't seen Alexis in a little while. And so I got up from the couch, and I, and I said, Alexis, where are you? No answer. Alexis? No answer. 
So maybe I thought, okay, well, maybe she's outside in the yard, and so maybe she's out there. Let me go look for her. I yell out in the yard, and she's not there. So I come back inside. I check the kitchen. I check the bathroom. And I probably should have checked the bedroom first. Um, but surely if she was in there, she would have responded, right? But so I go to the bedroom, and lo and behold, as I walked into her bedroom, there she was sitting quietly on the bed with a gigantic towel wrapped around her little head. Beside her, I noticed a pair of scissors and pieces of light brown hair everywhere. I suspected what had happened in that moment, but I didn't know the extent of the damage. So my eyes, I just thought, uh-oh, Alexis, what did you do? And I tried to stay calm. And at that very moment, I pulled the giant towel off of her tiny little head and noticed that her bangs were about half an inch long. Oh, no, what did she do? Obviously, my hairstyling and all that wasn't good enough. <laughs> and she probably took it upon herself to see what she could do. I could see that in her big blue eyes, there was fear and dread when I looked at her. And she began to cry. She realized she had done something very wrong, and so she hid under her giant towel quietly in her room. We can laugh now about this experience, but at the time, my sister was filled with fear and embarrassment, not only because of the regret associated with her behavior, but also, also I would imagine, the uncertainty of how we would respond. When such things happen, all of us would want to hide under the circumstances. Why? Because we fear losing control. We fear that what happened might change another's perception of us. We fear being exposed, criticized, or rejected. The story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden is a story of paradise lost by human sin. Adam and Eve were given every perfect thing that they could ever want with so much freedom. Adam was perfectly made in God's image. Despite how perfect they, that we perceive them to be, Adam and Eve still disobeyed God with virtually very little persuasion from the serpent. Immediately overcome by shame and disapproval from God, the painful story of human history begins with their exit from the Garden of Eden. And as a result, humankind continues to be consumed by fear every single day. Many of us are desperately seeking how to overcome the debilitating suffering that comes from one's fears. Just out of curiosity, I did some research and to find out what the top five most common fears are among the adult population in America. Can anyone guess what they are? What's that? Public speaking, any other thoughts? Death, any others? Okay, well let me share with you the list. 
I'll go top five, number five, blood and needles. Number four, drowning. Three, bugs, snakes, and other animals. For me, it's sharks. Two, fear of heights. And number one, Mike, you nailed it. Fear of public speaking. How many of you were surprised by this list? Okay, some hands are up. As a psychologist, I can tell you that I was not surprised at all by this list and the fact that public speaking was at the very top. Reason being is that communicating your ideas clearly and presenting them openly in a public forum is an essential component of success. Being a good public speaker can help you advance your career, grow your business, and form strong collaborations. It can help you promote ideas and move people to action on issues that affect them directly and society at large. I think a perfect example of this was this week on election day when you had so many women and women of color who won their elections because their stories really hit home for a lot of people. And they rose to the top because they wanted to make a difference and their message was persuasive. But sometimes the only thing standing between you and your audience is fear. Understanding the underlying reasons for your fear and the potential life circumstances or events that trigger the onset of fear is an important step in addressing your fear. One of my favorite self-help books that I recommend to many of my clients is titled The Anxiety and Phobia Workbook by Edmund Bourne. And it's the kind of book that you can keep in your personal library at home and flip through whenever you feel like you need some ideas for how to cope with your fears. Some suggestions include imagining a happy place. When you are filled with dread, anxiety, and fear. Take a moment to close your eyes and imagine a place of safety and calm. It could be a picture of you walking on a beautiful beach or snuggled up on your couch with your bunny next to you or a happy memory from childhood. I want to show you a picture. This is my nephew. <laughs> His name is Honey, Honey the Bunny. You would be amazed by him. He's like this little dog or cat, and he's like just hopping all over the house. He's the cutest thing ever. Who wouldn't want to be snuggled up near him? Another suggestion is taking time out. It's impossible to think clearly when you're flooded with fear and anxiety. The first thing to do is to take time out so that you can physically calm down. Distract yourself from the worry for like 15 minutes by walking around the block, making a cup of tea, having a bath. Let the positive feelings soothe you until you feel more relaxed. Talking about your fears can be incredibly healing. Sharing fears takes away some of the scariness. 
If you can't talk to your partner or a friend or a family member, start psychological counseling. That can be an important place where you can gain insight into your fears and learn how to address them head on. And as you learn to cope with your fears, what do we do when our fear is God himself? Dealing with fears on a daily basis is one thing. But when we feel like we've had let God down, sometimes being anywhere close to God is the last place we want to be. We feel disconnected. We feel like we've let him down. Maybe we feel like he's let us down. And so the last thing we want to do is to be near him. We pray less or not at all. We slowly stop coming to church, and we want to keep him at arm's length. And when we feel the Spirit of God is close to us, like Adam, we just want to run and hide because we know that we have let him down. Our fears impact every aspect of our being. It guides our actions, choices, relationships, how we see ourselves and others. And despite our fears, sometimes we experience positive outcomes and sometimes we don't. There will be days when we pray and experience an answer to prayer and other times when all we hear is silence. Or perhaps we do get an answer, but that answer terrifies us even more. My results from the biopsy did come back benign. But just this week, I've got to share that I had a dear friend who had a different outcome and died from breast cancer. She was much younger than I, and she left behind four small children and a husband who adored her. She was a dear friend who shined brightly for God. In one of her last testimonies before her death, she validated that it's normal to experience fear. But no matter where our fears come from or why, she validated that experiencing fear is a part of the human experience and will continue to be so as long as we live on this earth. She was transparent about her own fears. She talked about how fearful she was of the pain she would inevitably experience due to the cancer. But she was most fearful of the deep sorrow that she knew her loving husband and sweet children would experience once she was gone. She added that to experience fear is not a reflection of our lack of faith. She simply reminded us of the importance of praying and keeping the faith, of the importance of self-care and reaching out to others. She reminded us that God understands us better than, he, that we, than we understand ourselves. And she encouraged us to hold on to faith when we experience fear or feel exposed because our God, your God, my God, is a compassionate and powerful God. 
And when our prayers are not answered, that is okay. Because the good news is that there is a place that is being prepared for everyone that is free of fear, pain, rejection, suffering. We have a God that is in control. In Deuteronomy 31.6, it states, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. We get to hold on to the promise that Jesus died on the cross so that despite us, despite our sins, despite our fears, no matter how many mistakes we make, how many bad choices we make, no matter how much we disappoint God, he will never abandon us. So whatever fear you are experiencing, just know it's going to be okay. While we never know what tomorrow brings, you are stronger than you realize. I know that sometimes it feels too hard. I can relate. But know that it's going to be okay. Vari variations of the phrase, fear not, is mentioned 365 times in the Bible. Or put another way, it seems that there is a reminder from God to fear not every single day of the year. This may be a coincidence, but I can't help but wonder if this was just one more way in which God wants to reassure us. May God bless you, keep you, deliver your fears, the fears of your soul, and give you peace. Amen.